You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey, everybody. I'm Amy. I'm Paul. And this is The Comics Hall. Welcome back to another week of our show. Today, we are covering start of a new month. We've got new comics. Uh, This is the Wednesday, September 2nd haul. We do have our moderator, Cassidy, in the chats interacting if you are watching live. Cassidy, say hello. Yeah, hi. How are you doing? Um, We are live, as always, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group. So if you're in those chats, say hey, let me know. So those are all the places you can find us if you are watching live. But if you are listening to our podcast playback, we are available on all your favorite podcasting platforms hosted through Acast. And we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So you can check us out on Thursdays uh, and make sure that you you catch up on the books that came out on Wednesdays and uh, get them in time for your weekend binge read. Oh, yes. And what a binge read it'll be because this was such a good week for comics. This was. was, was, This was an awesome week. I think we should talk about some comics, Amy, but before that, news? Yes, we do have some news, and and we would be remiss not to start with an acknowledgement that last Friday, sadly, actor Chadwick Boseman passed away, very beloved actor, and Marvel fans across the globe made beautiful, beautiful tributes to him out of respect, not only for his general acting work, but his groundbreaking role as Black Panther. Coincidentally, uh, Black Panther was created by Stanley and Jack Kirby, and Friday was Jack Kirby's birthday as well. Uh, so there were there was an outpouring of love for both the King of Wakanda and the King of Comics. Uh, but Chadwick Boseman was a once in a generation talent who will be greatly missed. Uh, but he does leave an incredible acting legacy behind. So we wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that. Of course, yeah, and it's uh, it's very it's very rare that you see a uh, an actor so incredibly talented and loved that you even have you know DC Comics saying at the end of the day there's no rivalry anything like this is an incredible actor that we are all going to miss and so that's like even something like that it shows you how important Chadwick was to everyone involved in in any type of media so yeah he'll be sorely he'll be missed yes. But so we do have other news items yes. on top of that. We did want, you know, to uh also another thing happening is DC Comics has announced its plans for Batman Day 2020. It's gonna be on September 19th. I am super looking forward to it because there is going to be so much awesome Batman content, especially for Batman fan, um, which I'm assuming at least one of you out there is uh there's gonna be a Riddler and Batman theme on the Waze um you know navigation app. There's gonna be Spotify playlists, there's gonna be comics, there's gonna be uh you know merch that's on sale, new merch. Uh if you want to keep up to date on that, you can really find uh all of that news on any of DC Comics you know, many, many platforms and they will be updating their social media platforms, you know, as we get closer to the, um, as I'm sorry, as we get closer to the event that way we, uh, you know, they are promoting it so that, you know, we do have a safe social distancing event and we can still all enjoy it. Cause it normally happens at comic book stores, but this way we can still enjoy it this year. Yes, and and it on that there will be uh, Batman comics released for free digitally in lieu mm-hmm. of uh, being able to visit your store for copies. So you can check that out. I'm looking forward to the Batman Spotify playlist that I've heard uh, advertised as part of the the activities for Batman Day. But you can look forward to that coming up later this month. I uh, um, can't wait. 
Now, Paul and I do love our awards shows, uh, and a, another prestigious comic book award has uh, announced its nominees for this last year. The Harvey Awards have been uh, revealed, or the, the nominees, um, and along with the Eisners, the Harveys, who are named for Harvey Kurtzman, um, are some of the oldest uh, comic book awards out there. Uh, highlights from this year, uh, there, there are about six categories, I believe, in the Harveys overall, but I did want to highlight three categories with some excellent choices that are nominated. The Book of the Year, uh, a couple of our favorites, Invisible Kingdom, Little Bird, and Something is Killing the Children are all nominated, so that's quite exciting. Oh, yeah. Uh, see if Invisible Kingdom or Little Bird can continue their sweep streak. Uh, after cleaning up at the Eisners. Um, the Digital Book of the Year included uh, nominations for Afterlift, which is Chip Zdarsky's highly talked about uh, series with Jason Liu. Um, okay. As we mentioned last week, this will be printed as a physical series in 2021 through Dark Horse. So I think yes. Afterlift is going to be the book to look out for. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also nominated Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Red, which is an anthology series that DC Comics is yeah. doing digitally. Um, and then... That's a new one. I love this category. Best adaptation of a graphic novel. This is all the Netflixes and the the Hulus and all the streaming <laughs> series is, um, adapted from some of our favorite, especially independent properties. So some oh, of the yeah. nominees include Stumptown on ABC, which I love. I haven't had a chance to watch the whole show, but I did pick up the graphic novel. So good. Um, <laughs> Umbrella Academy, of course. The Old Guard on Netflix. Watchmen on HBO. Joker. But, uh, the, the film from Warner Brothers. And then one of the newest additions is the Sandman Audible adaptation nominated as uh, for best adaptation. I haven't had a chance to listen to the Sandman Audible series yet, but I am looking forward to doing that soon. And it has nabbed a nomination. So uh, voting is open right now for the mm-hmm. Harveys. Once again, mm-hmm. it is open to comics professionals. Uh, the qualification is if you have registered for a professional or press badge with the Read Pop convention industry in the last four years which unfortunately I have not. But uh, if you are eligible, you can vote in the Harveys right now and uh, winners will be announced later this year. Yeah, and we'll be covering that when when we can. I They should let us vote. I, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> a lot of these picks we've read and we've been talking about, I'm I, not saying there's a direct correlation, but... I think the Eisner's voting committee uh, definitely watched, watched our episode <laughs> uh, because those books all won and I'm not saying we have the Midas touch, but... We have the Midas touch. Yeah, you can say it. <laughs> I'll say it. <laughs> We'll, um, we'll accept our nomination for best podcast of the of the comic book year uh, later, but no, no. we not so humbly accept. <laughs> All right, to, everyone. I'm, I'm giving uh, myself the hook. What's the last piece of news we got for this week? <laughs> uh, so Scott Snyder and Tony S. Daniel uh, have changed the name of their uh, independently owned and new comic coming out. From Nocturnal to Noctera, uh, this is a high-octane horror book about humanity trying to survive an endless night that turns all things into monsters. So the darkness actually transforms people into like unrecognizable you know, monsters. Uh, the book is on Kickstarter currently, having successfully raised four times the goal of 40000 uh, Last I looked, it's at about 163000 and they've got... A little bit of my money, just saying. And uh, there are 15 days uh, left in that campaign. You can still, um, you can still give to that Kickstarter, and you know, unlock some of those tiers uh, or some of those rewards, if you will. Um, uh, specifically for the collector's edition of issue number one. Well, issue number one is probably going to be about 32 to 45 pages when it comes to print. Uh, the collector's edition is going to be about 72. Now, 
newly released to 98 pages because they're adding so much other stuff as the tiers keep getting unlocked with more uh, money being raised for this book. I, I was wondering about the stretch goals. I mean, they could end up making this a massive book. So that's, and it's an yeah. independently published title. This isn't going through a publisher um, like, like Marvel or DC. This is right. a passion project for uh, Snyder and Daniel. Yeah, and this is going to be released under Best Jacket Press, which is Scott Snyder's brand new, not, it doesn't have any books under it yet. Uh, Noctera is going to be the first book uh, under the first imprint. So that's going to be really exciting. Uh, Scott Snyder's got a lot of ideas rattling around in his brain. He likes like the darkness and metal and he likes all that stuff. So it's it's pretty awesome. If you ever listen to any of his playlists, it's all like Pantera. It's all Pantera. So <laughs> it's, it's pretty fantastic. All right, that about does it for our big comic book news this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, up yeah. next, we do have our panel of the week. Uh, we needed your help to decide on our theme, which by looking at the two panels separately, it might be hard to figure out what the theme was, but we picked uh, panels that feature no uh, characters, really. I kind of cheated on this one because the, the tiger in my panel is technically a character, but I'm going to take a moment to explain. Um, the panel that I chose is from Isola number one. Uh, which is published by Image Comics, with uh, uh, written by Brendan Fletcher, art by Carl Kershaw. Uh, this is a beautiful, beautiful panel, and it's just one of the many kind of uh, nice silent vistas that we get in the first comic. If you haven't read Isola, I highly recommend it. It's um, it's very, it has like the Miyazaki, but also kind of just epic. Um, adventure type storytelling it was published bi-monthly so it, it didn't come out uh every month and i think now it's in trade format but it's a right. wonderful wonderful story um don't need to go too much into it but i thought that was just a really nice singular panel with not a lot going on in it yeah but paul you want to talk about the panel that you chose <laughs> yes uh i chose a wonderful full page it's still a panel a full page battle from dr strange number one this is the uh, 2018 series uh by mark wade uh artist is uh jesus saiz and javier Fenya. uh they kind of uh share the uh penciling and coloring if you will uh it's it's a beautiful kind of um tech is it technopolis technopolis is the word yeah. um and, it, and it's this really kind of gritty uh future planet that dr strange finds himself in a uh you know on one of tony stark's ships is what you're seeing there and it's sort of like a you know muddy rundown town and i mean it's got a lot of depth and it's uh, a really really favorite it's a favorite scene of mine specifically from that run and that's just issue one of dr strange so go read that book uh if you are a um Doctor Strange fan, that first Mark Wade run is a must read. So the winner by a landslide, surprising no one, is Paul's Doctor Strange panel. Congratulations, Paul. Oh, oh, oh thank you, Chris. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, producer Chris, for the, the Loser. celebratory confetti. Loser has to sweep up all the confetti. Thanks. Uh was the was the confetti made out of the, the page that I submitted? Of, of, was that the panel? Sola. Yeah. Yeah, just torn up to pieces. Oh, I think we need to wow. you and I need to set some house rules. Uh You're like we're gonna talk after the show. I, had I known, I would have broken out some Emma Rios pretty deadly, but there were but it's hard to catch a panel without a character in it. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are listening on our podcast we will feature all of the images uh mm -hmm. seen in this episode both covers panel of the week anything referenced visually it will be on uh, our blog on the let your geek side show website when uh the audio launches on thursday so you can check that out yeah. um and if you guys want to get in on voting for panel of the week we do always need your help to decide that because we want to hear from you guys because paul and i can go back and forth endlessly <laughs> forever yeah and I, i'm pretty sure we each know who 
the winner is. But um, you can check that out in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group as Two well. Two is all um, I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> are we really going to start this? Are we going to keep score? Because I will. I will uh, take the training wheels off and we'll start playing dirty <laughs> it's been easy so far because we this is the second time we've done it after a while my brain will just forget and be like i'm just gonna assume i've never won um but yeah <laughs> uh, and again thank you all to thank you all so much in the late geeks at show facebook group uh i think the first time it, you know everyone was a little timid to vote but this time we had so much participation we had so many people telling us why they voted for certain things um and with isola uh, uh amy there's a lot of people in those comments i mean we had quite a few people who had never heard of it and they're like, well, I'm going to pick this up and I'm going to read it because of this. And that's from, really from one silent panel of a, a tiger sitting on a cliff looking out at an island. Aren't, uh, aren't we all just a tiger on a cliff looking out on an island, though? Amy? <laughs> these, these days, I, yes. I feel it. Um, yes. But yes, I, I appreciate it. And, and you guys should never be timid to chime in, voice your opinions. Tell us what you're reading. Tell us which panel you like better. It's only our egos at stake here. Uh, and you could be featured on our show. We do also yes. have a, a talk back segment that we will get to later uh, that thrives on your feedback. But I think it is September 2nd. This is a, a like every publisher kicked down the doors and was like, boom, here's our new number ones. Get ready. This Literally. is what you can expect. <laughs> Yes, literally. This is what you can expect from us for the coming months. And so a couple yes. a couple of series have ended this week, and we'll get mm -hmm. to those later. But we picked a handful of brand new number one comics that we want to do. Um, this, this is our weekly haul segment, and we will be doing our um, aim of the book. So if you guys are just joining us for the first time, we do have a semi-patented aim system, uh, which is the way that we like to review comics for you, because anyone can say it's, it's three stars out of five, it's 10 out of 20. Um, and yeah. those numbers are going to mean something different to everybody. Uh, we wanted to give you a as objective as possible uh, outline of what these books, what you can expect from these books based on the criteria that we ourselves use when we go mm -hmm. to pick up books. And so AIM is an acronym standing for accessibility. How easy is this book to pick up and read? Can you grab it off the shelf or do you need to uh, hit some other books before you check this one out? Right. Paul, you want to explain I? I is the interest. Um, this is, you know, a mix of things. This is what, you know, what do you, what do you like and what do we think this is maybe comparable to, if anything at all, and how do we think you'll like it? And also what is the interest of the industry, you know, around this book itself? Is it a really, really under the radar book or is this book, you know, kicking down the doors like one of, like one of our picks this week? And uh, is it something that you're going to see all over? Yes. And then finally, the M uh, is a small factor, but it is an important factor. How much right. money does this book cost? Um, there, You will note there are industry standards for pricing, but we always want to uh, let you know if there's a special reason, perhaps, that a book is more expensive than, than right. usual. If there are extra pages, we try to do that uh, economical comic book math for you. So you are making <laughs> the most informed decision when you choose whether, because these books are commitments. This is if you have a fear of commitment, a pull list is not for you. Uh, no, this is not. a, a long-term relationship with these books, or you might be shopping around and seeing which uh, books you like best. No better time to do that than with a month uh, or a week full of number one releases. So Amy, in one sentence, Amy, you managed to say the word math and commitment. There's only like four people watching now. <laughs> we lost everyone. <laughs> we Two. <laughs> you lost them. Oh, uh, we scared them all off. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so this is our aim system, and it's really to allow you to um, – 
get to know the book without you know sort of getting a subjective opinion saying yeah this is you know this book is not really that great it's not as good as this thing or this thing we really treat each book individually mm -hmm. and we try to allow you to make you know the impression uh, we, we try to allow the book to impress you as it would not as we would so right so without further ado i'm gonna get this segment started off Ooh. with a new number one from marvel this is the highly anticipated release of black widow finally uh, <laughs> finally i will note for those of you who might be uh confused or or understanding of the fact that some people have already read this issue um there was a printing error uh back when diamond uh was kind of halting distribution and a couple of black widows snuck out particularly one variant cover um got got put out with the publishing and some mm -hmm. stores actually were allowed to hit the street date with those. So some people did read Black Widow number one as far back as April. Uh, but this is the release of this book. Um, written by Kelly Thompson with artist by Elena Casagrande, art by Elena Casagrande, excuse me. And then the colorist was Jordi Belair. Um, accessibility. This is a total number one issue for Marvel fans. It's been a while since we've had a brand new number one from one of the big two publishers. Um, yeah. And, and even those can be intimidating for people. If you are hoping to get into Black Widow as a character, this is the place to start. This is Thompson's first time writing a solo series for the character. And this is the first ongoing solo book that Black Widow has had in a couple of years. Um, you, she's had a lot of titles recently uh, by Jody Hauser and the Soska sisters, but these were all limited five issue miniseries. This is an ongoing extended Black Widow book great jumping on point that sets up an entirely new story and mystery that you do not need any background for. Even if you don't know Black Widow beyond the fact that she's a spy or that she teams up with the Avengers, this book is complete mm -hmm. ground level Black Widow because while it is not directly tied to the movie's plot, if you if you go back to the publishing schedule and, and film release schedule in the days of yore, this book was intended to come out just a few weeks before Black Widow hit theaters and was intended to be a place to welcome fans to the character. So right. <laughs> Marvel often coincides book releases with their movies, even if the plots are not the same. And I can guarantee you from what we've seen, the plot is nowhere near what the film is going to be. This is a completely new Black Widow adventure. Um, for interest, it, it, would you like this book? If you're a fan of Kelly Thompson's take on Captain Marvel, on Hawkeye, on Jessica Jones, this is another must read, another feather in her cap. She's just making her way through the Marvel universe, kind of <laughs> collecting all the powerful women and uh, just killing it. Um, yeah. it, it's hard to judge where the trajectory of this book will go. Um, it, it does set up a delightfully, uh, intriguing and, and delicious plot twist. And it features the return of a fan favorite, uh, underutilized villain who I think is primarily associated with the X-Men. And I'm not going to spoil who that is for you if you're, if you're picking up this title. Um, but again, it's an ongoing solo. So you, you're, you're in for the ride. Um, if you like spy stories, if you like, uh, just, engaging mystery this this book leaves you this book opens so many questions and leaves you with no answers which i think is awesome. great for a first issue especially for black widow and the m monetary value it is 3.99 the book is not oversized it is not an event starter book it is the standard price of a marvel issue and every issue afterwards will be priced at 3.99 as well nice. uh, give, give or take variant covers may be priced differently check with your local store but this is the complete package of a Marvel jumping on point that they haven't had for this character in quite a while. Right. And after reading this, if you want 
um, more Comics Hall, Black Widow goodness. Uh, we have a, we did a whole episode on Black Widow where we took a look at a couple of um, really what we felt were essential Black Widow stories. Uh, you can go to Sideshow's YouTube channel and under the Comics Hall playlist, and you can find it pretty easily there. So give yes, it- I think that was back in May. And that, May? That's your yeah. That's your Black Widow explainer, but this is a a fantastic jumping on point. And I was explaining to Paul, this is a book that feels like eating whipped cream. It's so light. (laughs) It's delicious. I mean, I don't know your opinions on whipped cream, but for me, it's light. It's delicious. It moves really quickly. Um, You're not going to get bogged down with a lot of stuff. And you're going to say, where the heck's the next issue? I need it right now. (laughs) Um, Amy, your whipped cream should not be moving. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that is. We'll figure that out after the show. (laughs) That's next episode. Yeah, that book's great. Uh, this is another book that me and Amy both picked up. I like to mention that because it you know doesn't always happen, which is great because you guys get to see a wide variety of it, what uh, our brains look like and what we read. But yeah, this mm-hmm. is one that I've been waiting for forever, and I was super jealous that Amy got to read it early. um all right so the book that i the first book i'm sorry that i really that i wanted to aim for you all is uh lonely receiver number one by aftershock comics um this is being written by zach thompson who you may know from undone by blood age of x-men the dregs come into me he won a couple awards for come into me as i think some of the best um like indie horror i believe art and colors by jen hickman who uh did test with um Chris uh, Sabella of Crowded. I know Amy is a big fan Mm, of that book. Yeah, so she wrote, uh, she did the art on Test with him, as well as Moth and Whisper and the letters by Simon Boland. Um, This is a fantastic book. This is a, uh, as I was writing up, like, you know, the synopsis for this, it's a digital horror breakup story. Um, But instead of breaking up with a person, imagine if you broke up with your phone. Uh, that is kind of how it's being solicited. And after I read the first issue, it 100% is breaking up with your phone. Uh, but if you actually fell in love and married your phone and uh, what that would look like, if you created the perfect person for yourself and they um, said, well, sorry, I got to go. Uh, that is not a spoiler. That is all in the first couple pages and that's how it was solicited. So I promise this, uh, there's so much more uh, to the story than just that synopsis. But as far as accessibility goes, it is a true number one, as we like to say on this, this is um, another true number one from Aftershock Comics who seems to just be pumping out um, number ones, you know, at a blinding pace and they've all been pretty much fantastic. Uh, all just seem to just hit the mark. And this one particularly, um, you don't need to know anything really before jumping into this book. I do rec, I, if there's anything as far as accessibility goes, as far as like how easy is it for you to access the book as well? Um, it's not like a huge, you know, big two book. So make sure your store has it if you really want to read it. If not, I definitely recommend ordering it. Now, interest, would you like this book? I hope so. I really think <laughs> you would. Um, when I was thinking of things that I could compare this to, uh, to me, it really is, it's it's solicited as a horror. And it's true because this is in the very di- not so distant future. Like, you know, it there's some jargon in this book that is like, okay, that's a little, that's a little crazy. I couldn't imagine that. Um, but you can totally see how someone could pay a company to create a perfect match for them and then marry them and then that person lives in the palm of their hand um it's not that unheard of uh to me if you loved you know any of like 
there's a comic by image called Alex and Ada. If you loved that book, um, you would, you're going to love this. However, this is on the other side of the coin of that. This is a much darker take on like what Alex and Ada would be um, for people out there. As far as uh, like a movie would go. Um, I, my brain immediately went to her with Joaquin Phoenix. Mm. Uh, if you have seen that movie and you loved it, pick up this comic uh, today or when you pick up your comics because it is fantastic and it's got all of that sort of like oh like that totally makes sense i could see how i could lose myself in this sort of digital relationship it also but, sounds a little ex machina uh with the yeah there yeah, with the sides of the character who don't yeah. necessarily and there is that aspect in that it's you know it's it's love it's perfect love but it's also created it's uh so that's where the true horror comes in is like what happens when you know in this not so distant future this perfect mate for you uh decides that they're not perfect for you that they've advanced past that and then they leave and then the comic really kicks off from there sort of diving into uh the mindset of the main character um and as far as how much does it cost uh it's a it's 4.99 that's what uh aftershock comics puts all of their number ones at and all of their comics in general at uh it's a standard 32 pages but i mean it's really incredible and there is a lot of information and a lot of world building in those 32 pages um, some of the back matter of the book is love notes from the main character to her AI wife. And so it really gets into the relationship and then it shows you what it was like at the beginning versus at the end. Uh, so Zach Thompson, um, he, he did say in, in this interview that I listened to him that he wrote this book right after a divorce and now you know his life is fine and he's okay but he's like i want people to see that i was hurting when i wrote this book because there's people out there that can relate to me um and again this is a super uh it's, it's a fantastic book to look at i mean jen hickman does such a good job um with her colors and and just making it feel you know drab and dreary but then when things are supposed to be light it's still you know when you're in the sunlight it's still like a darkened sunlight it's still not that bright um so lonely receiver number one is a book that i think you should all be out there reading clearly because i think i've spent the last hour right now talking about how fantastic it is so <laughs> lonely receiver number one aftershock comics go pick it up you brought up a really good point about accessibility, the, the A in AIM, and we usually take that from the narrative standpoint, how easy mm -hmm. is it for you to to dive into the story, but the the accessibility is also a factor in, can you physically, can you physically obtain this book? Um, right. uh, as always, we advise you to follow your local safety regulations, um, mm -hmm. talk with your store. If you can't physically pick up your books, um, and but you do have a pull list, make sure you're talking to them, uh, paying for your books if you can, that really helps them out. Um, many fantastic stores order mail or offer mail services, and when in doubt, there's also digital comics uh, markets, including Comixology, and some of these publishers do have their own individual uh, places you can buy digitally. So yeah, always be on the lookout for what serves you best. I mean, Paul and I love our physical comic books, but some people prefer digital. Uh, yeah. So that that is up to you. Most of these books are always available on Comixology. Um, so that is a huge accessibility item. But the the physical uh, comics, there are ways to get that whether or not you can get to a comic book store. Right. Um, so the next book I wanted to talk about, uh, slightly swerving back to the to the humorous uh, and whimsical. This is Inkblot number one from Image Comics. This was a new number one that uh, kind of caught me by surprise, but I was intrigued by the cover itself. Uh, the cover, as you guys can see on the um, 
the live stream, or if you're watching on the podcast, you can check it on our blog. It is a library that is overstuffed with an archway of books. Our protagonist, the seeker, uh, stands shattered in the doorway. And on top of her head is a little cat who is as black as the void itself with just those two cute little yellow eyes. And that's actually the premise of this story. Uh, this is written by Emma Kubert with art by Rusty Glad, um, art and coloring. Uh, and this is a, a, it's a fairy tale type story about uh, a mystical little cat. Um, so let me just get into the aim accessibility again, true. Number one, um, a, a, any good independent publisher worth their salt is not going to make you read a ton of issues mm-hmm. to understand a brand new series debut, because that's a huge barrier of entry. This one, you can just grab and go. It introduces all that you need to know to begin it. Bear in mind though, as a fairy tale and a fantasy story, the first half is a little slow with exposition. It reads very much like a, uh, Lord of the Rings type and his father begat this guy and here's my family <laughs> legacy and here's what it is. But once you get the world established, um, it moves really quickly. Actually, this, the second half of the book practically flies by. Um, the first issue oh, does right. have a T for teen rating and we do like to call this out. Usually on the um, barcode of a comic book, you can tell where the rating is. Uh, and there is, of course, E for everyone, T for teen, M for mature. Um, even though it has a teen rating, this is very easily accessible for preteen comic readers and may even be good for children because it is cute. I think the teen rating comes from violence, but I would uh, advise you to scan any issues if you're a concerned parent, but it was very cute. Um, I for interest, if you like Dungeons and Dragons or high fantasy with humor, like Rat Queens, Inkblot is a darling first issue for an ongoing series. Um, anyone who owns a cat? I think you're going to identify, like, I think you're going to strongly identify with this, um, especially black cats who definitely when, when their paws are all together and their eyes are open, all you can see is the silhouette and the eyes. Um, because the, the character, the, the inkblot kitten is actually summoned from the void and the void, uh, is explained as one of the many realms in this fantasy world. This is a kitten made of void who knocks over stacks of books and kind of does whatever it wants, just like a real kitten would. And I think that is a perfect, um, very simple concept, but lots of potential. And the cat has some magical powers because the void uh, is able to traverse different realms. The, the void is the realm between realms. And so when you have a cat who has magical powers, but it's also a cat and is going to do cat things, um, you're in for a lot of fun. So this was a really fun little uh, little story again, really picks up in the second half. Um, so if you're, if you're looking for something smaller uh, in this week full of Titanic heavy hitters, I would recommend checking out Inkblot from Image Comics. And the monetary value on our AIM system is $3.99. It is a standard price, standard page count. Nice. What you see is what you get. Nice. I'm convinced that's just a normal cat. Can travel through different realms, knocks books over. That's just a normal cat. That's the yeah. plot twist at the end. It's just it's just a cat. No. Uh yeah. it's it's a fun and it and it reads like a fairy tale, which I think is is uh that's so it's much good fun. when the tone matches the genre. Right. That's so fun. Yeah. Um, all right. So up next, uh, the the last book that I wanted to aim is Spy Island by Dark Horse Comics. Uh, creative team is Chelsea Kane, who is a New York Times bestselling author for uh, the book One Kick. Also, you may be familiar with her if you are uh, an Image Comic Books reader. She uh, did Man Eaters. Uh, that was a, a, another really popular award-winning book. Uh, the art by Elise McCall, who also worked on Maneaters with her, but the last half of Maneaters. Um, and then colors are um, Rachelle Rosenberg, 
who's done Avengers. She's like a, a legacy to me. She's like an iconic Marvel colorist. Um, she's done so much. I, when I was looking up her, um, you know, basically her about her, what sort of looking for Amy? I was going to say, thank you. I was going to say, I am, you know, you know, you're IMDB, but, <laughs> but <laughs> the comic book IMDB. <laughs> yes. Your comic book IMDB. Um, yeah. She's done so much. I didn't even realize, like I knew she was working on the current Avengers run with Jason Aaron, but I had no idea how much other stuff she had done. Uh, she just did the daredevil annual. Um, she's, she's incredible. And it shows in this book. Um, follow your colorists, people. Like they again, always. unsung heroes of every yeah. book. Just follow, like, pay attention. And letterers, seriously. Yes. yes. Uh, flip flip a coin to your colorists. You know, <laughs> <laughs> toss a coin. Sorry. Um, yeah. So, super spy Nora Freud uh, has an incredible assignment on Spy Island. She's stationed on a tropical, this beautiful tropical island called Spy Island, uh, and her whole job just keep an eye on things. Make sure things are, you know, basically running as they should be. But with an island that is on the lip of the Bermuda Triangle and run over by super spies, aliens, pirates, sentient sand, um, things are bound to go wrong. Uh, so uh, it's I had so much fun with this book. Um, that's actually what is behind me uh, for everyone uh, listening on the podcast behind me. I actually have the cover for Spy Island number one, which is you can't really see the whole thing. Let me see if I can went the right. Nope, I always went. I went the wrong way. Um, the little it, it's a skull, and the top half of the skull is the island. Um, it's a beautiful cover. It's really simple. Uh, we will put that cover on our blog so you right, can check yes. that out. Um, yeah, I mean this book is fantastic. So jumping right into the aim of Spy Island number one uh, again. Another true number one from Dark Horse. Um, now, one thing worth mentioning about Spy Island number one is that this is number one of four. It's a very limited series. So, you know, if you're someone that, you know, I don't want to invest all of this time into a new number one until it runs through, you know, issue 90, I totally get that. Some people just don't want to do that. This is only, this is number one of four. So you know what you're getting and you know when it's going to end. Um, and this book seemed to be... Uh, in plenty at our local comic book shop um, because when this book was actually supposed to come out on April 1st, it actually sold out before, you know, before FOC. So it, before it even hit shelves, it was supposed to hit shelves on April 8th or whatever that Wednesday would have been. Um, it was supposed to hit shelves on April 8th with, you know, uh, print number two and print number one was going to be this whole debacle because Dark Horse didn't know what to do. Um, so this book was clearly sought after. Um, so you should be able to find it and you should be able to just pick it up, jump right into it. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, as far as the interest, the eye in AIM with Spy Island number one, um, there's a really good reason that the Bermuda Triangle never fails to like captivate you know, human beings in general, it's because we don't understand why we don't understand what we don't understand, you know, aliens, <laughs> vortexes, sea monsters. Uh, it's, it's all nuts and it's all crazy. And that's just like a normal Tuesday on spy Island. And I loved that it was pitched that way because it really kind of drops you into the middle of this Island and you feel so out of place as a reader, but everyone else is just walking around. So nonchalant. And it's, it's great. Um, I, I, I was telling Amy about this book and I had pitched it as it is a mix of Lost, uh, Ocean's Eleven, and the last 30 minutes of Cabin in the Woods, which I won't spoil if you haven't seen it. Uh, your comics hall homework is to go watch Cabin in the Woods tonight. 
uh, the whole thing, not just the last 30 minutes, but it's just it's like <laughs> amalgamation of all of these characters from myth and lore and, and monsters that you don't understand. Uh, and they just walk around spy Island, you know, sipping my ties, having drinks. Uh, and it's, it's so great. And I love a, um, you know, Nora, the, the main character, she is so fantastically written. And I think honestly, uh, Chelsea Kane does an almost perfect job of sort of capturing her voice, but, you know, introducing you to Nora Freud's voice and saying like, this is who she should be, which is a really tricky, uh, I think thing to do in the comic book medium. Cause it's, it's easy to do, you know, when you're watching a movie or something, cause you can hear the voice. But, um, <laughs> I, I think I heard Nora Freud, the main character, I think I heard her voice as, uh, was intended. So that, that was really impressive. And I loved this book. Uh, and as far as the monetary value of it, I mean, seriously, it's, uh, three ninety nine, uh, standard 32 pages. It's issue one of four. So it, it's a book that I, I love so much. I read twice. Um, I actually told Amy as well, if you are a big fan of like Chip Zdarsky and that, that way that he like has this incredible humor, but progresses the story and paces it really well. Um, you're going to love this book. It's hilarious. And it does some things in comics that to be honest, I've been reading comics for 20 years and I've never seen done. That's always something fun. So uh, Spy Island number one by Dark Horse. Uh, go pick that up right after this show, right after <laughs> <laughs> All right. But before we before we let you guys go to go pick up those books that Paul's talking about, we have a, uh, I don't know, nothing short of mind blowing uh, pick of the oh, week. Man, this is a book again, Paul mentioned, we don't always cross uh, the streams, uh, as as it were, with mm -hmm. what we read, because we do cover a wide breadth of interests. But pick of the week, probably the most buzzed about book on the shelves currently and if you guys haven't secured a copy, that you're going to want to rush. Um, this is We Only Find Them When They're Dead from Boom yes. Studios. Number one, uh, written by Al Ewing with art by Simone DiMeo. Uh, co the colors by Maria Saramiotti and the letterer was And World Design. And right. that's uh, that's the lettering in this book. I mean, we are showing the cover currently, which is a, a Nebula Vista, a small spaceship. And then overwhelmingly, the entire title, We Only Find Them When They're Dead. You can see some cutout of the character Captain Malik in it mm -hmm. as well. Uh, the 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 cover alone lets you know that the typography in this book is hugely important. Um, right, and and there are some unique things it does that kind of play with the the almost legend um, legend type uh, feeling right. of of what you're about to. And to see, and Boom has been Boom has been kind of killing it lately with new releases. I think uh, this week there is a second printing of their uh, Seven Secrets book as well, uh, oh, which was uh, Tom Taylor. Yes. Last was that a? I was uh, like two, two, weeks, two weeks ago. Two yeah. weeks ago, so mm -hmm. you can check that out. But the the book of the week for us and for most stores is we only find them when they're dead. Yeah, which from here on I will be referring to as when they're dead because yes. that's too big of a title. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's it's a mouthful. Um, yeah, I mean, even you know when I was looking at the cover and I've got the comic with me right here, even sort of looking at the book and just the cover alone. Thank you, Chris. Um, you see, like the scope, real like I think Al Ewing um, and the whole. I mean, honestly, the whole team, uh, especially Simone, they 
do such a great job. And of course the lettering, I'm sorry. They do such a great job of setting the scope of what this book is as, you know, like the title being, you know, you know, we only find them when they're dead compared to the ship. And like, you know, Amy said the Vista Nebula or the Nebula Vista. Um, and to me, that was what was most impressive. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say me and Amy are both fans of Al Ewing. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not a, it's not a secret. Um, I, I'm not as familiar with him as I wish I was. I've, you know, I've read mo- a lot of his Immortal Hulk, uh, all of his current Guardians run, and I am currently reading everything in his Empire run. Um, and that's one thing that Al Ewing does so fantastic is he puts this character, but he also, he puts this character in a world and says, this is, you know, a world, but of many and sets a scope really well and, and sort of makes the reader feel as small as, uh, or at least I can say for myself, uh, makes me feel as small as these main characters kind of traversing through, you know, whatever it's, you know, whatever it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in this case, it's god uh salvage so yeah i think a quick quick explainer before we hit the aim points um basically this is a this is a far-flung future uh in which um space vehicles called autopsy ships are sent to find dead gods and and the gods are the they of the title um they only find them when they're dead but they know that there's these celestial beings out there the autopsy ships are sent to then go harvest the different parts of these dead gods. It's almost a, it's almost a Galactus in reverse where the gods are not yeah. eating the planets, but the planets are harvesting and scavenging from these lone dead celestial entities. And it does have a, a very, I, I like, I bring it up in the interest section, but it's got a hint of the Jack Kirby celestial mm-hmm. kind of the Eternals, but the celestials themselves, the giant suited armored space beings. But right. again, they only find them when they're dead. So that that might suggest to you that somebody is somebody has ambitions to maybe find one when they're not dead. Uh, I mean, we would we would hope so. And you know, <laughs> um, I think you know, even completely, this is just off the cuff. I mean, th- it begs the question: like, are you know, do these die of do these die naturally? Always do does other things happen? So I mean, this the the first issue does such an amazing job of setting up a place where you can ask so many questions, but still feel so satisfied after reading the first issue. Um, I sort of compared it uh, immediately to uh, a super popular sci-fi show, The Expanse. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of that, but instead of like mining moon rocks and water, it's you know uh, celestial teeth. And, stuff. and, cheat, so, and cheat cheat. <laughs> it's section 32 is what it is. Um, that's a, a, an in-world nod. That's another thing that I think is so great is I love when a, um, a writer can set up the fact that like there is this like galactic hierarchy and government and there are rules that you have to follow. I, we even, you know, uh, we won't spoil too much, but there are a ton of, um, characters that were introduced and it's like here is everyone sorry if you're listening on the podcast i'm, I'm putting all my chips in <laughs> um, <laughs> you know here is everyone and here is you know and that's really all you get because we're introducing you to everyone um so to really have al Ewing, uh balance that and uh you know simone to bring these like incredibly breathtaking gods to life it's it's incredible i mean it's Uh, it's it's fantastic yeah for those of you who are viewing the live uh 
feed, I actually do have one of the celestial characters behind me that that right. beautiful kind of um, bright, vibrant nebula color scheme. And I will put this picture into the blog. Um, let's turn this aim into an I am because we are touching on the interest factor. Like I want to I want to I want to grab that vein of, of what you're going to enjoy. Or if, yeah. why would you enjoy this book? Um, because it it's huge. Um, currently, the the solicitation text actually bills it as for fans of decorum and something is killing the children, which is very interesting because I actually didn't see the similarities with something is killing the children, yeah. apart from the idea that there's something out there that we don't comprehend. Um, but it is closer to Jonathan Hickman's decorum if you are a fan of that kind of current sci-fi world building. Um, but for me again, the Jack Kirby Celestials, but it gave me, it gave me some Ridley Scott alien. Yeah. It, it gave me some serious alien vibes. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's got this, the classic hallmarks of sci-fi with mega corporations, galactic scavengers, warp, uh, warp speed travel. And then right. um, the, the in-world lingo is not so impenetrable. It is those kind of like, Oh, we're claiming sector X and we're claiming, um, but it's not, uh, the super cerebral sci-fi that you're like, I don't know what I just read. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very, it feels familiar, but it feels so vast and desolate. And I yeah. loved, I loved that. Yeah. I think, um, one, I mean, honestly, the, the best part of this book to me is like how you're dropped into a legacy of these, uh, you know, celestial scavengers. And, you know, the, even in the first couple of pages, uh, they showed some previews online of it. Um, we find that this is that Captain Malik, uh, he's the third generation, you know, uh, scavenger. And uh, the reason that that is so intriguing is you have so much story on both ends of that. Uh, there is the possibility for, you know, so many rivalries. I mean, there's a huge cliffhanger sort of, uh, sort of cliffhanger uh, right at the end of the book that it's like, Oh, okay. This, you know, it just kind of opens things up. But I think the idea that this is one, you know, one God that we get to see in this first issue. Um, it's really, really fascinating to sort of, you know, you know, kick back once you put the book back in the bag and board and say, what did I just read? And can I read it again right now? <laughs> and you can if you own it. So <laughs> yes, and there's there's a lot of uh, beauty to it. I mean, as you would assume with scavengers and, and the harvesting of rare celestials, mm -hmm. uh, different cuts of meat go for different amounts, but the, the ships all uh, kind of fight for control. And so uh, yeah. We we meet a crew who is smart and knows their place, but they have ambitions maybe to to make some power grabs, uh, which again don't don't want to spoil too much. But the A for accessibility again this this week we picked specifically books that you don't need any other prior knowledge to get right. into. And again, this is a hugely anticipated release. I think it is one of Boom's biggest launches uh, of the recent uh, decade. I don't know how long Boom has been around, but this is one <laughs> of their biggest launches to date. Um, yeah. And you don't you don't have to have read any of Al Ewing's previous work, but I think that this book will do a reverse uh, on you and make you think that like make you want to go read everything else Al Ewing has done 100%. because of this. And and I would highly recommend it. He is killing it over at Marvel. Um, I mean, he even did he did a, a brief stint on the Jane Foster Valkyrie book, which is amazing. He's doing the Immortal Hulk, which is considered to be one of the best Marvel comics of the modern era. Um, and he does have a little victory lap in finishing Empire this week. So one yes. series is closing and one series is opening. And if you've enjoyed uh, his sci-fi work, 
Mm-hmm. Incredible, incredible. And best thing about this is you get all of this for three ninety nine, dollars uh, and it is a standard standard price book. Lots of variant covers, but make sure you get a copy. If It's it's already sold out at the distributor level. It yeah. will be going into a second printing. You can get it on Comixology, mm-hmm. but if your store has it, there's no reason not to buy this book. Yeah, definitely not going to want to miss this one, everyone. Yeah, you don't want to find them when they're dead. You want to find it while it's still on the shelf. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that is that is our pick of the week. Uh, this was a big week, though. So let's quickly, if you don't mind, Paul, let's dive into our rapid fire round just to let you guys know some of the other books that were on our list this week that weren't brand new number ones, but they're still worth mentioning as part of our poll lists. Do you want to start us off on that, Paul? Let's do it. Um, so in my pool also that I... Uh, that I had this week was Grendel Kentucky number one by AWA studios, Batman number 98. Uh, it's part four of Joker war deceased dead planet. Number three, uh, Hellblazer rise and fall. Number one, that is the black label book that Tom Taylor is doing. Uh, I'm so excited for that strange adventures. Number five, that's the Tom King book that continues to impress black widow. Number one, as we had mentioned, of course, Empire number six is closing. We, we were just mentioning that about Al Ewing. Fantastic Four number 23, which is the last Fantastic Four tie-in to Empire. Wolverine number five um, over, uh, of course, Marvel as well. And Hellions number three I picked up. Um, Hellions number three actually came out last week, but I picked it up this week. <laughs> yeah, I always feel bad about those ones that sneak in and you're like, hey, yeah. it wasn't this <laughs> week, but your store might still have it. Um, oh, yeah. This week, I was super excited. I grabbed Buffy number 17 from Boom Studios. This is a standalone about Wesley Wyndham Price. So if you do like that, it's actually a a fun little look into that series to see what the the Buffy reboot is about. Mm -hmm. Then continuing on with some of my absolute favorite titles getting new releases this week. I've got Die number 13 from Image Comics. That is the goth Jumanji, Kieran Gill and Stephanie Hans book. Not to be confused with Die, Die, Die which is a totally different title from Image. Uh, Bitterroot number 10, now sporting its Eisner Winter 2020 stamp on the front cover. Uh, That is the end of the second arc, so it will be collected in trade, and you can check that out soon. Uh, I also had Empire number 6 wrapping up that event from Marvel, as well as the conclusions of the miniseries' Hawkeye Freefall number 6 and Avengers of the Wasteland number 5. These were both those... Uh, from that line that went digital only, but then they decided to print later. And then from Image Comics, a... uh, title I recommend, but I will not be explaining to you guys, is the Sex Criminals Special Sexual Gary, number one. Uh, that is the It is the second to last issue of the series. It is a standalone. Uh, would not recommend it if you aren't already reading the title, but it will be one of the last books you want to collect before they finish Sex Criminals, I believe, next month with issue number 69, because Chip Zdarsky and Matt Fraction are uh, <laughs> practical goofsters. Professional so, goofsters, Amy. Huge, yes, professional <laughs> goofsters. A uh, huge week all over the place. Oh, yeah. Uh Keep an eye out for any new number ones that we didn't even mention. Um, Let us know if there's some that we missed because this is start of a new month and all the publishers are ready to rock and roll. Right. So we do want to finish off with, with our holler at the hall segment, because we always do love hearing from you guys. Last week, we asked you a question, which so many of you provided very wonderful. And and surprisingly, a lot of people had similar answers. We asked you, did a movie or television series ever inspire you to pick up the comic that it was based on? If so, which one? And over uh, on the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group, Justin Racklin said, there are so many, 300, Bulletproof Monk, Hellboy, 
Kick-Ass, Road to Perdition, Sin City, V for Vendetta, Wanted, and probably se- uh, several others led me to pick up those graphic novels or the comic book storylines the movies were inspired by. As someone that grew up mostly on Marvel and DC, the movies led me to learning more about these more so independent properties and others I honestly was very oh and he honestly was very narrow-minded before that because uh, they weren't in the big two so uh he was really glad that they introduced him to the, the indie books there that's i mean that's true kick-ass was my answer for this question too so justin i see you <laughs> jason curry uh said the netflix adaptation of daredevil inspired me to go all the way back to the beginning and read the entire run starting in 1964 uh wow. which is a significantly different uh, version of daredevil oh yeah he says it has been a tough slog but it's been interesting seeing how the storytelling dialogue and art have changed over time oh yeah. i love that that is a very different Daredevil uh, in the in the mustard yellow suit uh, <laughs> from his <Yeah>. debut. <laughs> Much easier to see, you know, Daredevil, I'd say, in all <laughs> that yellow. Um, we had over uh, on, you know, in those same responses, Cody Edwards, Rob Kocher, uh, Kocher, I'm sorry, William Thim and Kevin Doyle, they all stated that their answer in some way or form was the Umbrella Academy. And, and yeah. we actually did have a couple, you com- compiled what our most answered was, right, Avi? Yeah. Three most popular answers, which I love to see because it it highlights a nice intersection of streaming and modern comics that that is it is successfully grabbing people. Um, The three most listed titles and the responses were Umbrella Academy, Doom Patrol and The Boys. And The Boys is coming back this week for season two. Um, I wanted to throw my own response in the ring. I did mention Stumptown earlier, Uh, but the Avengers film is what led me to picking up my first Marvel comic. I was reading Bart Simpson comics. which sounds, it sounds so weird. Like I was, I was reading Bart Simpson comics before then, but I didn't follow any monthly books. And then I saw the Avengers. And again, that Marvel movie synergy, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye came out shortly thereafter. Mm. Matt Fraction's Hawkeye was the first book I ever pulled monthly. And now look at me. So now you've uh, got your own show. I do have my own <laughs> show talking about comics. And I've got like seven long boxes and stuff. <laughs> and uh, a, a crippling addiction to, to all of these books. But, but I think, <laughs> that is a testament to the interplay. And I know some people say the movie's better than the book or the whatever, um, but it's all, it's all a part of the same uh, universe that we love. Right. And whether someone, whether someone goes from like, Oh, I can't believe they're making a movie of my favorite comic that I've already read or somebody saying that was a really cool movie. I'd love to read more and check out the comics. Mm-hmm. However you find the comics uh, that's the proper way to do it. That's, Whatever brings you the most joy, that's what you need to be doing. And and so, I mean, yeah, if I hadn't seen the Avengers and hadn't wanted to read more about Hawkeye and then Matt Fraction hadn't put out such an amazing series, I don't think I'd be sitting here talking to you about this. Um, but it, I mean, that's, that's the power. That's the power of comics, uh, <laughs> which is, I just, I don't want to, don't want to get too mushy about it, but <laughs> We do have another question for you. Yes. Hopefully not as as emotional for me. Um, but in honor of Empire ending this week, when you read big event books, mostly from the big two, I mean, I don't think I've seen an independent publisher do a huge crossover, but when you read big event books, do you just stick to the core story or do you explore the tie-in titles too? If yep. so, what influences your decision to, to abstain or partake? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys want to respond, we are taking answers both in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group and you can email us directly um, at the comics hall at sideshow.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find us on all of our social media at the comics hall on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
Yep. We love to hear from you guys. You can also help us vote in our panel of the week. Um, and that does go up every week between the shows. So whether oh. you're listening on the podcast or listening live, don't even start that with me, Paul. <laughs> uh, whether you're, you're listening uh, or watching us live, you can participate in between the shows. We leave those polls open right up into the wee hours of Tuesday before we got to lock in on Wednesday. So you, yep. it is never too late to to throw your voice and and holler at the hall because we do want to hear from you. Yes, that's the whole, uh, you know, that's the whole honestly reason we're doing this show is to bring comics from us to you. So please holler <laughs> well, at us. Comics from Marvel to us to you. Yeah. We, we're not directly responsible yet. Not yet. Not yet. I, yeah, that's the big, that's the, the yet. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us, uh, whether you're listening live on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. or you're catching us on the podcast live on all of your favorite platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We so appreciate you guys listening and hopefully checking out these books, even if there was one thing you learned today or got excited about. Uh, that That's all we need to know yep. um, because that's that's why they put out books every Wednesday. I mean, if people didn't get excited about them, they'd be wasting their time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we will catch you guys next week for the week of September 9th, again, live at 4 p.m. on Wednesdays on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, uh, Periscope channels, etc. Um, so you can find us there. But until then, I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this has been The Comics Hall. Thank you guys for, for joining us. Bye, everyone. This has been The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, don't forget to let your geek side show. Yeah.